Hello and welcome to Cats Out of the Bag. I'm Kat Hennessy and in this podcast, nothing is off limits. Hello queens and welcome back to another week of Cats Out of the Bag. Um, now this week we are doing a little Bali episode um, because, you know, I'm Kat from Bali and how could we not touch on all of the above. Um, so I'm going to go through, you know, dating in Bali, um, how to get a villa, living over there, making friends, like, you know, favourite things, worst things, all of that. I'm going to answer all the questions you guys guys have sent in. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be a fun little episode and I hope that you learn a little bit more about living abroad or if you want to make the move, um, then maybe I'll give you the answers to do so. So let's start off with, I guess, how I even came it, how it even came about that I moved there. So pretty much I was living in Brizzy, um, had like pretty severe anxiety and I was like 22 and I was working um, as a buyer for City Beach and um, I just was like, I just got into a, like a quite intense job at such a young age and I just, it just like was too much for me at the time and um, I was like, talking to mum and dad and they're like, look, I just think you should go traveling. Like you're so young. I think it will be really good for you. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to book a one-way tick ticket and but going to book a one-way tick, um, a one-way ticket and go to Europe. So I went on like a big self-discovery journey in Europe. And when I was like coming up to the end of my trip, um, I was kind of just like, oh God, like I've, you know, I've met so many incredible people. I've seen so many insane places in the world. And like just the thought of moving back to Brisbane and like, what the fuck was I going to do? Just, it just wasn't like doing it for me. I just kind of felt like I wanted to go and experience something different. So this job came up for a company in Bali called Bamboo Blonde. So they're pretty much like, I mean, if you live in Australia, you'd know like Dish or Glassons or they're like a, you know, a, st- a women's clothing store that's in all the shopping centers over there. So it's like the biggest um, like women's shop um, chain in Bali. So I applied for it. They were hiring like a buying and design role and um, I thought, why the fuck not? So I applied for it, sent through my res- resume, did a little, little interview and I ended up getting the job, which was so fucking exciting. So I ended up flying home for like, you know, three weeks to a month um, and that's when I actually started having that fling with the ghosting guy that almost killed me on the scooter. Yeah, had a, had a little, you know, few weeks home, like really nice catch up with all of my girlfriends and everything and, um, yeah, convinced that guy to throw me a 100-person house party. So fucking cheers. And then packed all my shit and moved over. So I was lucky enough when I moved over that um, – some of my good girlfriends in Brisbane, their mum lived over there. So I, I arrived, they kind of got me from the airport and I just moved into her villa before, while I was finding my feet. Um, so that was really fun. I felt like I, you know, met um, my girlfriend's brother and his friends and I was just kind of like hanging out with them and finding my way. Like um, I was lucky enough that I was working full time. So I made friends at work and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then in terms of like 
living. So a lot of you have been like, how the, how the fuck do you find somewhere to live? Like, how does it work? So there's all these like Facebook groups over there, like Bali expat community, Bali housing, Bali villa rental. So you pretty much like join all of these groups and you can like do like monthly rentals or yearly rentals or, you know, just rent a room off someone. So like people are posting in there every day being like, uh, room for rent in Seminyak, you know, $600 a month, bills included. So like you pretty much like find a place like that. And I got really lucky. Um, this couple um, that lived in this stunning villa, it was like a four-story villa um, in Brower, which is like pretty much Changu. Um, but when I moved over there, Brower like wasn't as busy Um as it is now, it's just, it's been built up a lot in the past few years. So moved into this like insane villa, this couple was moving out, had this huge bedroom ensuite. Um, we had a maid, I was like a hundred meters, not 50 meters from the beach. Like it was a phenom. So you're like really living like La Vida Loco or whatever the fucking saying is. Um, and then, like for something like that, like I was paying $200 a week, um, which is pretty fucking insane. Like, I mean, yes, like $200 a week, that's what you could be paying for rent in Australia, but $200 a week for, a you know, $2 million Australian house, but a villa over there with a maid, with a gardener, with a pool. Like it was just, it was pretty fucking crazy. Like I would wake up in the morning and uh, Pem- they made, sorry, they they all over there, they're called a Pembantu. A Pembantu. Um, and I was always I was so close to my Pembantu. Her name was Putu. And like every morning she'd, I'd wake up and she'd like make me brekkie. And um, like it took me a while to kind of like build up the courage to scooter my, by myself over there. So she'd like scooter me to work and I'd like pay to do that, I'd pay a little bit extra to do that. Um, and I guess that's kind of like, how I found my first place and what actually led me to like meeting a lot of people and um, making friends and stuff over there. So I'll go into some of your questions. Um, Yeah. So like, yeah, someone's like, how do you find a place to live? Sounds silly, but like, do you live in a hotel or an Airbnb sitch? So there's options for that over there. Like you can live in, you can rent a room with like a communal kitchen um, in like a big kind of common space um or you can like move in with roommates or like my second lease like a girlfriend and I found this little villa and we took out like a long-term lease on that so there's lots of options I think the issue is in Bali if you want to take out like a lease on yourself you you have to like pay up front so it's like you take out like a year or it's cheaper if you do like a five-year lease so if you don't have savings, that's a little bit harder. So it is more expensive if you're like paying month to month, but sometimes that's just what you have to do. So how does the cost go in Bali compared to living in Australia? Um, Look, like it's obviously a lot cheaper, like when you compare them. um, And, but at the same time, that also comes with you getting paid less over there. So like, I think I was getting like $500 a week at my job or something. And like, that was sweet for over there, like, you know, vibe. But like when I wanted to come back to Australia or travel or do anything, like it wasn't enough money for me. Um, 
And also it was like quite hard because like I felt like every week or second week I'd have someone coming to visiting from Australia and they're like, let's go to this potato head and let's go to all the like cocktail bars and stuff that are Australian prices. So you could live there on $5 a day if you wanted to or less. Like it just depends what you want to do. Like at my work next door, there was this place that would sell these gado gado salads, which is like an Indonesian salad. It's so freaking yum. It's like made in a peanut sauce, delicious, divine. And that would cost me 60 cents. So if I've ate that for breakfast, lunch and dinner, you're laughing. But, you know, of course, Aussie gal, Aussie city gal goes goes to Bali, needs to have her little soy flat white every every day or soy latte, I should say. So, you know, I was obviously going and buying myself a nice coffee um, on the way to work and doing all that jazz. So it, it does, it adds up. But if you got for breakfast, like a beautiful eggs on toast with bacon and halloumi is probably going to be around $5 to $7 versus here it's, you know, you're getting up to like $30 these days. I went out to breakfast the other day and I paid like $7 to add bacon. I was like, sorry. It's definitely cheaper over there, but like it also, like you eat out every meal as well because um, it's a lot cheaper to eat out than to cook at home because like all the um, like ingredients in the supermarkets and stuff are all imported. So you go and buy like a, tom- a pasta sauce, which would cost like, you know, two dollars here and it would probably be like eight or nine fifty over there or like pasta like a packet of pasta is like seven bucks versus like a dollar here so like it it does like change but there's definitely ways around it so like I would go and get all my veggies from the local market near my work I'd go and get all my fruit and veggies so and my eggs and stuff so then yeah, like it was actually like quite a nice little routine. I'd like get on my scooter, go, and I I learned a bit of Indonesian when I was over there and I'd go to the markets and I'd like barter and get my veggies and get my all my random stuff and then scooter home with it on my on my bike. So, you know, it was fun. Um someone asked me, what did you miss about Australia the most when you were over there? Okay. I know when, when I saw this question, I was like, I know the fucking answer to this. Weirdly, I missed avocados the most. Like it was the one thing I fucking struggled with so much. So I love avocado. Give me avocado on fucking anything, toast, burger, bloody, you know, sandwich, you name it. Give me the avo. And for some reason in Asia, I think because of the like humidity or, they just don't grow properly over there. So the avocados are like really watery and disgusting. You know, when you like open up an avocado and you try and eat it and it's like not ripe yet and it's like a little bit slimy and you can't get it out properly, that's like the taste of them over there. It's just this really gross texture and I like honestly felt like for like the two years that I was there, I was like constantly on a hunt for the perfect avocado. I'd like, when I'd come home and visit, I'd be like avocado on toast, avocado on toast, avocado on toast. That was like literally my fucking life. Um, it was the best, the best and worst food. Um, I mean, I guess that also depends on what you like, like love going to a local wrong and getting a Nazi goreng or a me goreng, but then there's also so many incredible restaurants over there. So maybe I'll, um, pop like some hot barley tips in the Facebook group. Cause I know like borders, um, 
or, you know, all open and um, they're lifting the quarantine restriction in Bali as of March 15th. So guess where we're all going to be going for a little holiday. Um, so, yeah, so I'll do a list of like best restaurants, places to stay, all of that. Um, but there's so much amazing stuff over there. Um, someone also asked me if I ever felt unsafe while I was over there. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, not like, I I think like the scary thing was like hearing about things that were happening to my girlfriends, but like I, I've traveled a fair bit and I'm a super, super cautious traveler. So like, for instance, one of my girlfriends was driving home late at night from Changu, which is like known for people to get their handbags taken off their bikes or like pulled off their bikes and stuff. So automatically I would never do that. I would put my handbag underneath my seat of my scooter. And one of my girlfriends was scootering home and she, someone came past and there's like a little hook at the front of your scooter and they like picked the, her handbag off and stole it with like her laptop and everything in it. And, you know, so like, that's obviously scary knowing that that's happening, like, you know, a minute away from where you live. But at the same time, like I would never put myself in, like, well, I'd try not to put myself in vulnerable situations where I'd have my bag out or anything like that to give someone an opportunity to do that to me. Um, But yeah, definitely like when I was in my like gung, so pretty much like all the side streets over there are called a gung. Um, And like, I, the second place I lived in the gung was like quite dark and scary and it was pretty terrifying at night, especially cause there are like um, robberies and stuff over there. And like my first place we had a security guard, but we did, I didn't at my second one. So like if you ever heard, you know, a fucking stick crackle outside or something, I'd be like, <gasps> and I guess because like there's so many stray animals and everything over there, they're what constantly bloody, leaves being stood on and God knows what. So I was like constantly terrified. Please explain how you didn't get sick from food and drinks. What are things you can't eat? So I feel like this is like such a um, misunderstood thing when you travel to Asia or Bali. So everyone's like, no, like no ice, please. No ice. So, you know, people go to Bali and they don't want ice in their drinks. You've got to understand that the locals don't drink the water either. Like everyone drinks filtered water. So they don't, it's not like the locals sit there and and drink it. That's just not what happens. So when you get ice cubes in your drink over there, it's all filtered. Like it's safe. It's fine to do. Um, and yeah, like I would like brush my teeth with the water out of the tap. It's not like I was drinking it and I was, I was fine. Like I did get like bugs a few times, but I never really got like super severe barley belly. Um, it was more just like, I'd almost get like a bug where I'd be like really drained and tired and like super run down where I had like no energy, felt really lethargic. So that happened to me a few times. And I reckon that's just from like a parasite or eating something a bit dodgy, but, um, you could go to, the best restaurant over there and you could get sick and you could also go to the worst restaurant there and you could get sick. Like it's, it's so luck of the draw. It happens a lot more frequently in rainy season, um, which is like October through to like Feb, March, just because it's like raining so heavily. The humidity is so intense and like food just doesn't stay as fresh. And like, it's just, that's, that's kind of when like, there's a lot more barley belly and stuff. You're a lot safer for that when you go there in like June, July, which is like, you know, 
the peak time to kind of travel there. How much did you spend on food per day? So, I mean, I guess I'd get like a coffee in the morning, which would be around like $3. Um, I You've got to also remember like I ate out every meal other than like breakfast maybe. Like I'd make like scrambled eggs at home or oats um, just because I was trying to be like, you know, not bloody eat out every meal. Um, so yeah, so I'd normally like make breakfast at home and then I'd get a coffee for like $3 on the way to work. For lunch, I would normally go to like, I don't know, I feel like I'd spend probably like six to $8 on lunch. Um, and then depending on where I went to dinner, like it could be anywhere from like, you know, five to $15, I guess. So you can live pretty cheap and you could live a lot cheaper than that. Like I'd sometimes go out and spend like $50 on dinner and that's going to like a really nice restaurant and having a glass of wine and, you know, doing all that jazz. But that's like really, really nice and you'd have like five course meal and I feel like it's like a five course, like a five-star restaurant over there is probably what you'd spend like normally at a place here. I guess in terms of like what was what is the day in the life for me over there? So like I worked four days a week over there. So Monday to Thursday, um, I would work. So I would, you know, wake up in the morning. I'd start work around like 8.39 and I would get up, get my coffee, have my brekkie. I'd get on my scooter. I'd scooter to work, spend the day there, like normally go out for lunch or something. And I did a lot of like sourcing while I was over there. So I would like get on my scooter a lot in the day and I'd go to like fabric markets or like to local suppliers to source stuff for the brand that I worked for. So it was like a really fun, different job. Like I'd be like going out to this, you know, work, work craftsman in the middle of nowhere and finding this like beautiful bag he'd made and like, you know, ordering them. And so it was like, so that was like super fun. Work was different than um, every afternoon I'd finish and I would scooter to the beach and I'd meet my best girlfriend there and we would watch the sunset. We would get a coconut for $2 and we would get a corn for 50 cent from the corn cart. Honestly, best fucking thing ever. When you go over there, get the corn and get the sweet butter with it. They like put this like sugary sweet butter on the corn and it's next level. So we'd, yeah, sit there, have our corn, have our coconut, like maybe go for a swim and then we'd go to dinner after. So that was kind of like every day we'd be going somewhere for dinner and it was, it was so much fun. It was such a like social place to live. It did take me a while to kind of like settle in and get into a good swing of things, but, um, but it was, it was super fun. So yeah, a few, like quite a few of you are asking like, you know, is it, did you cook? Did you eat out? Is it cheap? How much was rent? So like definitely cheaper to eat out over there for sure. So you can eat out and you could spend under $5 a day if you really wanted to budget. Um, Rent for like somewhere really nice with a pool and a maid and everything, you'd probably be spending like 200 to 250 a week, but that's like top of the top. Otherwise you could find a place that was like, you know, a hundred or less a week. Um, so that's that. Would I ever live over there again and why? Um, yes, I would 100% live over there again. Fucking oath. Like I would live there in a heartbeat. I miss it so much every day. I just felt so myself and so good there. It was so fun. I'm like, oh, just miss my friends there. It was, it was, it was an 
awesome lifestyle. You definitely live there for the lifestyle. So that's why I'd want to go over there. It was just like so relaxed, so nice. You have a shit day at work. Hey, I'm going to call my fucking masseuse to come to my house and pay $10 for a massage at night. Like you just don't do that here. It's such, it's, it's like all the things that are like a treat and a privilege here are like so affordable there. Like getting your nails done, like getting, you know, a massage, a facial, like there's just so many benefits and incredible things over there that just make you feel, you know, warm, warms my heart, makes me feel good. Um, did I make long-term Bali mates? Yes. Um, I have two really, really good girlfriends over there. I've lot like lots of good girlfriends over there still, but like, um, oh no, probably like three really good friends, but like my best friend over there, um, her name's Karina. She is like literally, she made me moving over there. i met her and instantly clicked with her. Um, We traveled through Asia together. Like we still speak all the time. And I think that was like the hardest part of moving away was just like, you know, really missing my bestie over there. Like I haven't seen her in like two or three years. And we just like, we were just so, so close. So yeah, definitely made long-term mates, but it was also quite hard for me. Like I felt, I don't know, it felt like it took me a while to get into my groove. Like I felt like when I moved over there, it was like quite clicky. Like sometimes it was it was very like, oh, it, you know, how many Instagram followers do you have? Like it was very like, are you cool? Are you not cool enough? Like I just kind of felt like that a little bit sometimes. But then I found like my crew of like super down-to-earth girls and my my bestie over there, like she was like born and raised there and like went to school there and her family lives there and she's just – I don't know. I just felt like she's just has had like a different energy about her than like a lot of the tourists. Like people like have been there for like two days and like, I live here. Um, so yeah, definitely made some amazing, um, amazing friends there. Did you feel like a baller? I mean, yeah. Who, how could you not feel like a baller if you're fucking getting a massage at your house on a bloody Tuesday night? Um, so yeah, that was, that was grace. I mean, great. Well, how do you find a reputable real estate slash property agent? So I guess like that would definitely be going and joining all of those Facebook groups like, you know, Bali Villa Rental, this, and then like you find all of the agencies will be posting in there as well. So that would, and then obviously like word of mouth and speaking to people too, which is pretty easy to do, but there's like definitely regular ones. So a lot of people asking about like my passport and visa process. So um, I was lucky enough because I went over with a job. I had a like legit visa, which is called a Kitas. So they're really hard to get. Um, and that means you like don't need to leave. So like you, you like live there. Like I had a bank account. I had all of that. I had a driver's license over there. Like I was like legit living there. Whereas majority of my friends weren't, they'd do like visa runs every like 60 to 90 days or whatever. And they'd like fly to Singapore or Kuala Lumpur and, you know, go there for a few days and come back or just go there for a day trip. So that was like what a lot of people did, um, just do the, the visa runs. But, um, it's definitely like feels a lot nicer, um, being legit with it. Cause I know that they were like cracking down a lot. If someone was just in Singapore for the day, like why are you just here for one day? Like it does seem sus. So yeah, that's kind of what a lot of people did. Um, and I didn't have to pay for my visa cause my work covered that, but, um, I can't remember exactly how much they were. I feel like it's like maybe like six grand for Akita's, but I could totally be making that up. Um, but yeah, that was great. This one's funny. 
how the fuck do you do groceries? So obviously I'd already, I've already touched on the fact that um, I went to like the local markets, but there's like, there's shops over there like Pepito and like, so they're pretty much, um, it's like a Coles, but like a mini Coles with a lot less stuff and a lot of it's imported and quite expensive. So yeah, you'd go there for like basic necessities, but honestly, a lot of people just eat out because it is quite expensive to shop there. But there are supermarkets there. Like you can go and get stuff, but you know, I'd honestly like smuggle food back with me when I'd go back. So I'd be, I'd be like, I'm not going to have any brie for six months or otherwise I'm going to be spending $50 on a wheel of brie. So I'd like take an ice pack and a mini esky in my suitcase and take brie and quince paste. I'm not even kidding with me. I'm kidding with you guys. Like so ridiculous. What was your biggest culture shock? So, um, I think like this one story stands out so much to me. So it was like I had moved into my place and like at my first villa on the beach, there was like a lady that ran the place and kind of just looked after everything with like power electricity and all of that. Like it was all done. But I, when I took out like a yearly rental place and I was kind of managing it, there were little things that I didn't know. So I was like, you know, in my bed, going to sleep and all of a sudden in the middle of the night, my power goes out and I'm like, what the the fuck is going on? Like, why is my power not on? And I was dating an Indonesian guy and he was like, oh, your power must be out. I was like, what do you, what do you mean? He was like, have you topped it up? I was like, what? And he goes, come with me. And we like had to go around the side of the house to the power box there's like a unique number on the power box. So I had to like take a photo of the number and then you have to drive around the corner to the Circle K. So it's like 3am, I'm getting on my scooter and I'm driving around, like literally driving around the corner to the 7-Eleven to fill up your power. So I had to then, you have to then go to the Quickie Mart, let's just say Sevies. So you go to your 7-Eleven and you're like, hey, my power's run out. Um, I just need to top it up. And they're like, what's your code? Give them the code. They like type it into this computer, print out a receipt, and then you have to take the receipt back to your box at home and you have to type in the special digit code that they gave you into your power box to give you more electricity. So that was like, I was like, what the actual fuck? Like it was so, it was just the most bizarre concept for me. Um, and that happened quite a few times. Like I'd always fuck up the power thing and it would be like 2am and you'd start to sweat and the humidity would be coming in and you're like, well, I have to go and fucking fill up my power because there's absolutely no way I'm going to be able to sleep in this muggy, no aircon room. So I'd like get on my bike at 3am, which was also fucking terrifying. Like as I said, I lived in this creepy little gung. Like, so I'm like getting on my bike and driving around the road, like just terrified. Like it was like quite scary on your bike at night. I must say that. Um, and filling up my powers, that was probably definitely like biggest kind of culture shock over there. Um, and then, yeah, just, I feel like a lot of you are asking like day in the life, which you kind of know. And then weekends, I guess, like obviously, you know, my work routine and then Friday's the day I had off. Um, that was like, 
one of the pros and that's what actually like led me to starting my jewellery label because I would spend my Fridays working on that. So it was like really great um, to do photo shoots and um, it's a really like creative place. Like there's a lot of photographers and models and lots of freelancers and everyone wants to collaborate and like create content together but like everyone kind of does it to get images and build their profiles. So I also worked as a stylist over there for the agency Bali Stars. So I would style shoots and I would collab with like a photographer, a model, I'd style it. And then I'd also put all my like Hennessy pieces in it. So I would automatically always have this like fresh content for my jewelry. And it was like, I was like building up my styling profile. So it was like a really great way to kind of like grow a small brand. And, you know, whereas now I've definitely like, I've just don't have the time or energy for my, for my brand as I used to. Um, and that's definitely something I need to sort out. But um, yeah, I just like, I feel like I, I feel like I have imposter syndrome, guys. I was literally, if you don't know what that means, Google it. But I was talking to my girlfriend about it the other day where you like self-doubt yourself um, and I definitely do that a lot where I've done that with my brand and I feel like I always do it with a podcast too. I'm like, do people even want to listen? Like, do they really care? Anyway, so um, – but I've lost my train of thought now. Yeah. So, um, so weekends, like you literally just go to the beach, or, like go away or like, you know, you'd go out to brekkie and it was just so much fun. So another question a lot of you guys are asking me is what was it like to date in Bali? And fuck me, this was probably one of the things I like traveled, I traveled, I struggled the most with. So, I mean, obviously you've got all your apps, you've got your Tinder, you've got your Bumble and all that jazz. But I feel like the thing is, is there's so many tourists coming. There's so many people in and out or like, I feel like Bali is the kind of place that people go to, to kind of like find themselves or like, you know, go on their own journey. So people don't go over there necessarily like looking for a relationship. And let's say you like meet someone really cool and have a connection. Well, they're probably gone in a month or a week if they're a tourist, you know? So I feel like that was a massive struggle for me. When I moved over, I actually ended up like dating my housemate, which was, I mean, do not recommend. It was fun. Like it was, it was great when I moved into that like big villa, the first one with a few people, like he was in the room next to me and we just like hit it off and we just, we'd do everything together. Like go to dinner every night, go to the beach, like we'd go away on weekend trips. Like it was super, super fun. Um, but then I guess when things started going south, it wasn't really ideal that we were still living together. Um, so that kind of happened when that fizzled, um, I was single for a little bit and I actually dated an Indonesian man for a while, um, which was, um, it was actually like, quite good for me over there because I felt like I learned so much more about the culture and everything but we did come from like different worlds like he was super super religious he was a really strict Muslim and I'm not personally not religious so I feel like a lot of our you know beliefs and values didn't align which in the end was like the issue in the relationship which is why it didn't work out like still honestly some of the best sex I've ever had with this guy like he 
would make me fucking come twice every time we'd have sex. Didn't have the biggest penis either, but this everyone's like, oh, like, does he have a small dick? And he is the one per like I'm like, its size doesn't matter. People are like, what do you mean? Honestly, this Indonesian guy I dated had the smallest fucking penis I've ever seen in my life. Like tiny, like could deep throat so easily. But literally would make me come twice every time. So size doesn't matter, ladies. Fuck it, it's how they use it. Um, but yeah, so like we would just um I don't know, little things like he wouldn't want me to wear nail polish and which is so weird, wanted me to – I think I may have even spoken to you guys about this before, like didn't, you know, wanted me to text him everywhere I was going and like if I – if like I wasn't wearing like a jacket on my scooter at night, he'd like get really angry at me. So little things like that where I'm like, you know, Australians, we're so – chilled and easygoing and I feel like not a lot of things phase guys over here either when you're dating so it was very different for me also like very different like um like he like lived in um what are they called I can't remember what they're called now fuck it's it's slipping my mind but um pretty much like it's like a big building and everyone rents rooms off it which I was kind of speaking about at the start of the episode but um it's they're like quite small and like I'd stay at his and like he didn't have a shower like he'd literally he'd literally have like a tap and a bucket and I'd like literally shower myself with like a fucking scoop thing and like wash my hair with a fucking cold scoop like it like so like definitely cult culture shock but like can you imagine me like staying at my boyfriend's on like a Wednesday night and showering out of a tap like anyway um but oh and then like they all everyone uses um took me a while to get around it but then I kind of liked it in the end like um they all thought I was crazy like all, all of my Indonesian friends that I worked with and stuff that I used toilet paper. They were like, what the fuck? Like, that's disgusting. Cause they have the little taps over there. So they'd all like, you know, give a little, give a little clean on the vagine after a little wee. And I'd, you know, I mean, and, and technically when it does make sense, like it is a little bit gross, like you, you know, you're wiping fucking rank toilet paper on you, but yeah. So that, that's another thing. They all use the taps and um, I started doing that at the end. Like I was like using a little tap when I go to the bathroom, but, um, yeah, so definitely, um, dating over there isn't easy. Um, I mean, I did, I had like a few little flings here and there, but like nothing super, super serious other than this Indonesian guy. So I feel like a lot of, um, expats that go over there, like a lot of girls I know actually have like Indonesian husbands and stuff just because, um, you know, they're, stable over there they live there like it's just you know she just formed those connections and yeah and my Indo ex-boyfriend was fucking hot so I love that for me um but very like very like we didn't have a lot to talk about I'll tell you that much it was a lot of, a lot of sex not a lot of speaking um so another thing another thing people are asking like is it easy to earn an income visas like how did you find a job um so a lot of people that live over there actually work freelance so they'll be like a graphic designer or a web designer or a photographer or something so that's like a majority of the people like it's very rare to have someone who's over there on a proper visa working so like most of my friends were freelancers and if they weren't they maybe had like a small fashion label or owned a restaurant or something so I feel like that was 
that was like the main thing, but still most of them didn't have a proper visa. It was still like majority of them were doing the visa runs and all of that jazz. So, yeah. Um, so someone else asked me if it's easy to find manufacturers for your startup. Um, so, yeah, I obviously started my jewellery label over there. Um, and I guess like, yeah, like word of mouth, like when you're living there for a while, you kind of know like the good spots to go to. Like, um, for instance, I started jewellery and there's like a silversmith village called Chaluk. So, like I went up to Chaluk one day and I went into like every single little silversmith to try and find a supplier. So like, you know, you do things to try and like find people and like I like did samples and tested different qualities and um, and then like you also get recommended people. But if you find a good supplier, I feel like people are very like, you know, they don't want to share it kind of vibe. So, um, so yeah, so definitely like I feel like word of mouth, but there's so many suppliers making beautiful things everywhere over there. So it's, it's pretty, um, pretty like easy to kind of come by and you just need to put a, a bit of energy into it and spend a bit of time finding the right person for your brand. So some other people are asking like, did I live in multiple places? Did I stay in the same area? So for like the m- most time I lived in like a similar area. So when I first moved over, I lived in a place called Umalas, which is in between Seminyak and Chengu. So it's like a little bit less crowded. There's still restaurants and stuff there, but it's not super built up and there's like more rice paddy fields. It's a bit quieter and like beautiful. Like I love Umalas. So that's where I lived when I first moved. And then I moved to Brower, which I told you about at the start, the big villa. Um, So that's like pretty much Changu and that's, oh, my cats um, are going crazy. Um, so Brower and Changu. So if I was going to go to, oh, let me, I'll finish answering the questions first. So yeah, Brower and then I ended up moving back to Umala. So uh, I mean, one of the big reasons of that was I, I work, my work was in Korobakan. So I, my work was literally next to the Krobakan prison. So I'd have to drive past the fucking jail every day on my way to work. And I was like, oh my fucking God, especially when it's like monsoon season and like, well, they call it rainy season over there. And like, it is honestly bucketing fucking down, like to the extent where you cannot see it. I have to get on my scooter with like my raincoat and dry. It was like fucking mental. Um, So yeah, that was, that was interesting. Um, and then I guess if you were like going over on a holiday, um, I I mean, Brower and Changu are like, there's lots of cool restaurants and bars there. So I'd want to stay around there. Um, there's also heaps of restaurants in Seminyak that are beautiful, but I feel like it's a little bit more like touristy, but not like, I feel like Changu and Brower is also touristy, but like, it feels like it's it's kind of like the Byron Bay of Bali, I guess. Like, I know that sounds so lame, but that's probably how I'd describe it. Like, it's like, it's cool. It's a bit quirky. So yeah, if you were going to go over there for a week, I'd stay in, um, yeah, Brower Changu. And then I'd also go up to Uluwatu as well. Cause like, um, the beaches are beautiful there and there's been heaps of development there lately. Like a lot of my girlfriends and stuff are moving out to Uluwatu, um, cause it's like, kind of booming at the moment. So I definitely go there because you need to experience both. Like the beaches and stuff in Brower and and um, Changu are gro- not gross. I mean, they're not beautiful. Like they're black sand and there's a lot of rubbish and stuff. So like if you want a beautiful beach, you want to go to Uluwatu. Um, but like I feel like a lot of the time you get such a beautiful villa with a nice pool, you end up hanging out there half the time. 
Um, I also love Noosa Dua. The beach there is stunning. Um, it's like completely flat, crystal blue water and white sand. It's so nice. And then if you wanted to go on like a little trip, I'd do like a trip over to Noosa Lombongan or something. Um, so yeah, I'll do, I'll write up like a little, um, Bali guide for my Facebook group. So if you're not in the Facebook group, jump on in. I also would love to hear from you guys in there um, and let me know like what you want to hear about and episode ideas and all of that stuff. Cause um, yeah, the, I guess the more feedback I hear from you, the better the episodes are going to be guys. So yeah, but um, I guess that's kind of all I'd have to say. I mean, best and worst parts. I feel like I'll end on that. I feel like the best part living over there was definitely the lifestyle. Like it was so fun, so relaxing, so like, you know, all the luxuries that are so expensive in Australia were so affordable. So that was definitely one of the best parts. And then I guess the worst part was just like, everything was a bit hard. Like things could be really hard sometimes. Like if it wasn't working out for you, it was like a fucking mission. Like trying to set up my Wi-Fi at my new villa was like quite possibly the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Or like when your electricity runs out or like, you know, it's just everything's just that little bit more difficult to kind of do and all that jazz. But I mean, it's a pretty amazing place and the people over there are beautiful and there's so much amazing food and it's so affordable. And honestly, I cannot wait to fucking get over there. I'm like looking at flights right now because I really want to go over at Easter, but it's like no direct flights and it's like 1200 return via Sydney. I'm like, no, but honestly thinking about copying it, swear to God. Um, but yeah, so I hope you enjoyed that. I hope that's given you a little bit of insight into my life in Bali. Um, and I hope you guys have the most fabulous week and I will chat to you all again next week. Goodbye, my angels. Cats Out of the Bag is proudly part of the Acast Creator Network. Special shout out to Rode Microphones for powering this episode.